الجزيرة بودكاست International aid agencies say Palestinians in the occupied territories are facing a deepening humanitarian crisis. This as they live under the continuous risk of Israeli attacks. So why is their situation worsening? And what is the international response? I'm Nick Clark, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, let's take this on. For more, I am joined by our guests all in Gaza. First up, Maha Husseini, who's an award-winning journalist and strategy director at Euromed Human Rights Monitor. Osama Abdel-Jabba is a Palestine country director for the World Food Programme, the WFP. And we have Nigella Shawa, who's an aid worker and a mother of two children, a long-term resident of Gaza, and she and her family have survived several Israeli raids on the city. A warm welcome to all of you. And Nadja, I'd like to start with you, if I may. As I say, you're a mum and a humanitarian worker. You see it from all sides. We have a situation now where food prices are up 20%. Money coming in is down radically. And all the time you're living under the Israeli blockade and ongoing attacks. Describe for us, if you will, what it's like trying to run a family as a resident of Gaza what daily life is like. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks for uh, for having me. Well, uh, honestly, it's a constant uh, uh, state of anxiety at best for those who can afford daily living and still can survive. The problem is that with the majority of the population around us and the community around me uh, continue to suffer from uh, from this kind of uh, a fluctuation in, in everything. There is everyday uh, uncertainty and anxiety in, uh, in how life uh, can be lived, basically, uh, by the day, from like power cuts to water quality issues, from inability to move and travel and expect just another, uh, another military attack uh, against the Strip and continue to suffer again and again. Now, in, in terms of the, the current uh, the current situation, I think what is more dangerous is that the world doesn't uh, hear it because it's uh, it can hardly make uh, news. Uh, the, the the very silent kind of uh, suffering of uh, of people on the ground uh, due to the difficulty of the economic situation um, simply uh, makes it uh, makes life extremely extremely hard uh, for the entire population. Okay, uh, Maha Husseini, and this is a story of challenge, of difficulty, not just in Gaza, but across the Palestinian territory? Yeah, actually, it's not only in Gaza, but maybe Gaza is the most impacted by the this crisis in general, because this month, you know, we are entering the 18th year of Israel's suffocating blockade of this trip. Uh, and anyone could imagine the impact 17 years of closure and tight restrictions can have on the lives of over 2 million uh, residents. Uh, we're already actually three uh, years ahead of the year in which the UN said life would be uh, unlivable in Gaza. Uh, and during the years of the occupation, uh, whether in the West Bank or the Gaza Strip, and especially uh, the, the years of the blockade and after the multiple major Israeli military attacks that have devastated the Strip's uh, infrastructure, uh, tens of thousands of Palestinians in Gaza have actually lost their jobs uh, either because of the closure that rendered import and uh, uh, export extremely difficult for uh, hundreds of businesses that shut down as uh, a result, or because of Israel's targeting of businesses during military attacks. 
uh, we're actually talking about um, the, the vast majority of people uh, and the, the vast majority of factories, about 80% of factories that have shut down uh, since the imposition of the Israeli blockade. Uh, of course, as a result, uh, we're witnessing a surging unemployment and food insecurity rates that are considered among uh, the, the, the highest in the world. For instance, in Gaza, uh, the unemployment rate is double the, that of the West Bank, uh, and it has risen around from 23% um, uh, before the imposition of the blockade in 2005 to 47% actually uh, by the end of 2022. Also, poverty uh, has risen sharply due to the Israeli restrictions from 40% in tw uh, 2005 to over 61% uh, in 2022. Uh, mm -hmm. This surge of... Indeed, Maha, we'll, come, we'll, we'll explore this further. I mean, all the statistics, what you're saying, is that they're all going in the wrong direction, aren't you? I'll come back to you in a second. Uh, but if, next, if we can uh, come to you, Sama, uh, from the World Food Programme. What are the bare facts, from your point of view, to what degree is aid having to be cut and what impact is that having? Thank you, Nick. I think the, the, the starting with the impact, last week actually I was in Gaza and I visited some families together with Al Jazeera colleagues. Uh, the situation is very dire, like Najla and Maha were saying. We're seeing food insecurity is already high. 1.8 million people in both West Bank and Gaza are in need of food assistance. Uh, we are looking at a fiscal crisis that is affecting all different stakeholders, difficulties in paying salaries, uh, uh, the PA, but also the de facto in Gaza. We're seeing difficulties in, 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 in other programs that are affecting UN and in, in, in NGOs. So we're looking at a situation that is desperate. Families are having difficulties on putting food on the table. And at the same time, uh, uh, many of them are coming to us saying, we don't need humanitarian assistance. We just want you to support us with economic opportunities uh, and uh, employment opportunities, and we will be able to take care of ourselves. So we are looking at the way we are supporting those vulnerable families, that it's time-bound in the sense that they want to do more, they can do more, they're highly educated, there's a huge percentage of youth who really wants to do and deliver, and until that moment where they are able to uh, secure funding uh, uh, for themselves and their families, we will be giving them hope. And, and, and unfortunately, the, the, the funding situation for us has been difficult for quite some time. And we've been living on a month by month to make sure that those vulnerable families are not falling even further into food insecurity levels. Uh, you mentioned youth. I do wonder about the children. Uh, Najla, how is it for your children? Uh, tell us how old they are and how they're coping with all of this. Yeah, my children are uh, nine and uh, six years old. And uh, unfortunately, I had to face uh, a whole new challenge since uh, the beginnings of the beginning of their conscious or awareness to the difficulties of, uh, of, of Gaza, despite how privileged we are as a family. However, living in Gaza is in constant uh, stress of uh, uh, facing after facing Israeli raids uh, uh, just uh, you know a few weeks ago, and I, I think that it, it just puts parents at uh, extreme pressure on on daily basis to to try and bring any any trust uh, with, with your children of of uh, a better future or even a better tomorrow, uh, like literally tomorrow. So it is it is an extremely uh, challenging environment with very difficult questions like how do you raise a child in an environment where you sleep while expected 
the the glass nearby you to to simply break uh, on top of you. I mean, this kind of things are part of our daily daily conversations with me, me and my 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 children. And and I think the the majority of children, I mean, in 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 the Gaza Strip, have uh, have no way uh, deserve to to continue to live this way, especially because exactly because like what uh, Samir was saying, uh, people here want to work, want to earn living, they want the opportunity, and they seek it every single day. And why would people work, I mean, for like 12 hours or more for $2 uh, in Gaza? I mean, you, you cannot believe the, the, the level of, uh, of desperation in terms of wanting to uh, receive education, wanting to, uh, to, to work, uh, just anything to earn a living. And I think this all brings us back to, I mean, this highly concerning situation of like the World Food Programme or other aid aid programs. Why why do we have this problem? Is that simply because the political issues have never been resolved and have never been looked at? And uh, I think the world knows enough about the situation and the injustice that this population continues to uh, to see a generation after the other. So yes, I do wonder what do I tell my children uh, when uh, when they never faced uh, they never lived a day of uh, full uh, having power supply. Uh, you know, issues like that, while not being able to travel, for example. So, I mean, all these uh, all these issues com continue to really uh, make uh, make our life uh, completely uh, uncertain and Indeed. full of anxiety. Uh, Sama, let, let's try and answer that question. Why has it got to this stage? The, the political thing is is critical, obviously, the critical point of view. But what else is happening here? There's a global food crisis going on. There's uh, living expenses around the world are rocketing. Is that what it's about? Why have your funds plummeted in the way they have to the extent that you need $51 million just to the end of the year? That's correct. So it's been difficult since last year, honestly. We've been living on a month-by-month -month basis. Many of the donors have stepped up last minute to avoid uh, budget cuts. But unfortunately, we had to get to this point where we needed to announce an, uh, uh, cuts uh, to beneficiaries simply because we don't have enough resources that will allow us to continue. And we needed to prioritize the remaining funding to make sure that we're able to reach the most in need, even at those difficult times. So uh, the situation is is has been bad. I think the global prices have actually made a major impact on our operations. But also, if you go to the market, the, 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 the prices have been soaring. I think earlier, Maha mentioned 20% increase in, in commodities, the price of commodities. Since almost a year, we've been monitoring more than 40 different food commodities and issuing market monitoring reports. And unfortunately, we don't see prices going down. We are seeing uh, uh, more uh, uh, people depending on coping strategies even to cover some of their basic needs. Well, what about and, and money health. coming into your coffers? It, it, that's dwindled too. And people just aren't donating as much. Is that right? So we, we've received less than uh, uh, what we received last year so far, and we've been working with all different partners to make sure that we are actually mobilizing some of the, the, the funding that uh, is needed. Because we're hearing similar stories about the Rohingya in Myanmar, aren't we? It's the fact that you had to cut down daily rations there too. It's a similar story to Gaza. It's unfortunately with the lack of political solutions in many of the crises, we will see more needs of food insecurity that started actually during COVID and continuing with the situations and political situations around the globe. So, Maha, you touched on the, the international side of things. 
how do you, do you feel deserted by the international community? Well, actually, um, I guess Palestinians are feeling that they are being failed. Uh, they are unfortunately gradually losing means of survival. Um, and the future actually will see even more suffocating humanitarian crisis as long as the international community uh, allows Israel to continue with its, uh, with its abuses and um, uh, violations against Palestinians. Uh, and actually, the problem is much more profound than the economic uh, or poverty crisis uh, for Palestinians. Such crises are now determining the future and destiny of Palestinians. Um, in the past, for example, uh, Palestinians, with the support of the international community, where um, th their, their main concern was to live freely in dignity and to end the uh, illegal occupation. But today, uh, their main and daily concern, uh, uh, the concern for the vast majority of the families is how to merely secure food and stay alive, as uh, Samir has said. So um, uh, many of them uh, only wait for the monthly humanitarian aid provided by the international organization, which is actually the only aid or support provided by the international community to, to, to Palestinians. And this is unfortunately a normal result of the strategy of starving Palestinians uh, Israel has been adopting for the past years. Um, because a hungry person cannot think of dignity or freedom unless he secures his food. It is actually um, as simple as that. And the um, thing is, is that um, the, the international community is actually allowing Israel to go uh, further than that, uh, which is uh, Israel is taking advantage of the fact that Palestinians are actually starving uh, and also ex uh, extorting uh, Palestinians, especially those in the Gaza Strip, um, uh, which is a very uh, more dangerous uh, fact. A few months ago, for example, or a few years ago, for example, uh, following the Israeli military attack on Gaza in 2021, um, the Israeli authorities allowed tens of thousands of Palestinians from Gaza to be employed doing uh, low-skilled jobs in Israel for the first time. Uh, and of course, uh, hundreds of thousands have applied to get permits to work, uh, but since then, Euromed Monitor documented several cases in which these workers have been uh, extorted, uh, interrogated by the Israeli intelligence at the area's border, and forced to give sensitive information about their neighbors, for example, and relatives, etc. Uh, so, um, those, of course, those who refused to give information were simply denied work permits and were not allowed into uh, Israel and the occupied uh, territories. This is deeply saddening. Let me, let me just take it on. Thanks for that, Maha. I just want to bring Najla back in. Uh, as far as the international community is concerned, are you feeling that things have changed for the worse since the Trump presidency and, you know, we saw the normalisation of relations with various countries and that that has kind of engendered this, this lack of care from the international community? Yeah, I mean, obviously the answer is yes. Uh, things have got worse in terms of the, uh, the politics from the region around us. That's what we, unfortunately, Palestinians have been feeling more and more. Um, the, uh, the the feeling exactly from uh, from uh, some Arab uh, countries. However, the other the other more important issue is that what uh, what brought us to this place to begin with. I mean, it was the international community that supported Israel all the way, or parts, major parts of the international community that is actually allowing this to happen. So maybe in one hand, there is very generous support and, uh, and, and, and good assistance to the Palestinian people. However, on the other hand, there is no enough, uh, I guess, serious, uh, serious uh, uh, act or move uh, towards uh, Israel 
policies to actually stop uh, stop all this to begin with. And I think this uh, this comes from the simple lack of recognition that we are equal in this equation. And uh, this continues to be the case. We know that populations across the globe, there's a lot of solidarity with Palestinians. We, we see that and we love that. However, we know when it comes to real politics and real decisions, it doesn't work this way. So in a way, humanitarian assistance is very much needed at this point. I, when I think about the World Food Program and other programs, especially this one, I mean, it is a major safety net program for people. This is what keeps people really going, I mean, day by day, having food. I mean, some basic food security, and, and everyone knows that it's hardly enough. However, also uh, silencing Palestinians with just a bit of aid and not a proper uh, support in, in, in the general policy uh, environment will not help. And we know that this will continue to be costly for, uh, for everyone, for, uh, for the international community, for Palestinians, and for humanity. And it will continue to be like this, like many other crises probably in the world, but more uh, apparently here where nobody can speak to Israel. I mean, nobody can say no to Israel. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's really the problem. Nobody sees that, uh, or maybe many do see, that on a daily basis there are violations against Palestinians uh, in the Gaza and in the West Bank increasingly. And this is not stopping. So this is this is also something that I think needs to simply stay on the news. And we mm. hope that uh, not the next um, time we are on the news, it's a, a, a military operation uh, or maybe an announcement or a further, of a further report that says uh, Palestinians are uh, have deteriorated, deteriorating humanitarian uh, crisis with increased food insecurity. Uh, Indeed, it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly negative news, isn't it, that, that we hear most of the time. Sama, you're the Palestine country director for the World Food Programme. I would just wonder, from, a, a, you know, from your heart, from a personal perspective, now you're having to, to cut this safety net for so many hundreds of thousands of Palestinians. How does it make you feel that you have to tell them this news, that you have to you know, oversee these cuts? Thanks, Nick. It's a difficult question. And I have to say that when we announced that we had to cut 200,000 people out of assistance in June, unless funding comes, it wasn't an easy decision. We, we went to the last moment to make sure that we did not keep a door that we did not knock. Uh, we're working still uh, uh, tirelessly with all different stakeholders to see if we're able to uh, 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 basically revert this decision. If funding comes tomorrow, I'll be able to revert that decision. So, and, and having those families on, on the back of our mind and head and uh, looking at them, and my team is on the ground visiting some of those families. We're receiving, in the last two weeks, around 12,000 calls to our whole call center, and we're dealing with every call personally. Uh, with passion, because we understand how difficult this decision is for many families. Like you said, it's a lifeline support to them. Uh, uh, as a humanitarian support, the electronic vouchers that we give is allowing people a dignified way of assistance that they can go to contracted shops and, and buy the food items that they need. But at the same time, it's also supporting local economies. The 300-plus shops that we contract in West Bank and Gaza are supporting value chains, local dairy production. Uh, job creation across the value chain, and the impact is is uh, huge on this economy uh, uh, from a development perspective and, and job creation perspective. So it's not an easy decision for us. And, yeah. and, and that is one of the things that drives us to really continue. And, and, and I thank Al Jazeera for really covering this, because together we will be able to hopefully to revert and, and, and be able to secure funding.
Yeah, Maha, just, just this, uh, the hope for the future and, and where you find it. I was reading that every year something like 12,000 to 15,000 university graduates come through and, of course, they just end up unemployed. What, what can one even say to try and give them some kind of hope for a decent future? Actually, uh, they are very well aware that every year the situation is worse than the year before. Um, actually, the long years of the, this blockade uh, have has, uh, have rendered uh, Palestinians, including youth and graduates, uh, unable to cope with the severe restrictions and continuous military attacks every one or two years. Um, uh, they are uh, unable uh, to, to cope with this uh, as the international aid organizations are also facing more restrictions affecting their funds uh, and also operations and the, uh, in the, uh, on the ground. So uh, I guess that um, um, as, as long as this continues, as long as uh, this, um, these restrictions continue, I guess that Palestinians are well aware that they are unable to actually further cope with the situation and um, they are feeling that the international community is once again uh, failing them uh, and also contributing to making them unable to secure their own sources of livelihoods. As Samir said, Palestinians uh, and especially graduates, the tens of, tens of thousands of graduates that are being, being uh, graduating every year are able actually to uh, secure a source of livelihoods, but all they need is to protect this uh, source of livelihoods as Israel is actually targeting uh, the main sources of livelihoods, especially in the Gaza Strip, including farming and fisher uh, and, and fishing, which are the two main uh, sources of uh, income okay. for Palestinians in Gaza. Najla, you talked about your kids, your children, uh, and how you, you know, have this difficult conversation, uh, which will get harder, I guess, as they get older and understand more about what's going on. But, but what do you say when, you know, the city's under bombardment and they can hear the noise of that and and you're thinking about their future what, what can you say to them to try and uh, to try and give them hope i'll tell you this is a i mean it's a very good uh, question and uh, it continues to be a very hard um, conversation uh, now i think uh, having to explain uh, just enough so that they can make sense if you can make sense of such events uh, especially when you have uh, questions like um why why here why us and, and you know all these all these questions um the the issue is that i think we we have a lot to explain is that there is history to this land and there is a history to this injustice and uh, by simply by trying to be um I don't want to use the word resilient, but patient and uh, work on a, a better future and have have a say in our future. That's the important thing. That's what I'm what I'm trying to raise my kids to 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 be is that uh, Palestinians should not be seen as victim, should be leading their lives. And I think uh, the new generation uh, is probably going to teach this uh, uh, again uh, and bring bring some hope. Uh, for for a better tomorrow, although it is extremely extremely hard, but I guess we have no other choice but to give this hope and and uh, nourish uh, uh, such determination. 
is that this is where we are and this is what we are going to be working on, uh, simply to be here and uh, get education and uh, seek uh, good uh, skill development, uh, uh, have a strong understanding uh, of things and just uh, simply grow uh, in this world or in this part of this world as much as possible and, okay. and be good around. Thank you so much to all our guests for speaking to us here at Al Jazeera. Do appreciate it. Maha Husseini, Asama Abdul Jabba, and Najla Shawa. This episode was produced by Deborah Fleming, Sarah Harat, Fungi Nguyen, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Avro Galan, and the program was edited by Vishnu Sheila, Lin Nguyen, and Joe DeFritz. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thanks for listening. Tune in on Wednesday for our next edition. Thank you.